Okay, hi everybody. How are how is everyone tonight? So everybody had a good Shabbat, good weekend. Very good. I'm glad. Now, I'm going to announce this again at the end, but I do want to say all, to all of you that I'm going to cancel next week's class because um, Rabbi Baxter is coming to visit in Dallas down at Vendel's house, and um, I'm going to be taking him back to the airport on Monday, and I might not be able to get home on time, so I don't want to be disappointing everybody and just not show up. So I decided, just in case something goes wrong or whatever, I'm going to just give myself enough time to get home and, and not press myself. So anyway, I decided to just cancel next week's class. I hope everybody is okay with that. Now, Tuesday, of course, I'll be here. Um, and like I said, at the... Yes, it will be a very interesting visit. There are a lot of plans. He's going to be teaching on Shabbat. It's going to be very, very interesting. So... This week's Parsha is named Ekev. Now the word Ekev in Hebrew means heal. And we see it show up in like the name Yaakov. It's a form has Ekev in it because he was, remember when he was born and he was holding on to Esau's heel. And so um, this week's Parsha is called Ekev. And it kind of like follows the narration of last week's Parsha. And you can even feel that, even in, he, in English, where it says, This shall be the reward. And this starts in chapter 7, verse 12, by the way. This shall be the reward when you hearken to these ordinances. So, you see that it's just coming and it's continuing the thought from last week. So what the parsh, what the uh, rabbis say is, following on the heels, that if you follow these ordinances, following on the heels of that hearkening to the ordinances, you're going to get all of these rewards. Now, one of the things that I really do want to talk about here is the idea about Israel. Did everybody read the Parsha, by the way? Okay. Everyone read the Parsha this weekend? This last weekend?
So anyway, um, there is a very interesting thing about what this Parsha says about the people of Israel. And Moshe is reminding the people about all of the ways that they failed. Sometimes when, especially in Christianity, people would read these these portions, they would read these passages, they would get hung up on the idea of Israel's failure. I want us to really look at that because so this Parsha is going to be a little bit different the way I'm going to teach it. It's going to be a little bit different from what, the way that I've taught some of the others. Because coming from a non-Jewish background and now learning Torah, there are a lot of things that hang on, you know, hold over. Some attitudes that can hold over that you might not even be aware of. And so, for some people, as you know, is blatant. I mean, even their anti-Semitism is just blatant with what they feel and what they think and what they say. And a lot of times when you would have, from the pulpits of the churches, um, preachers preaching about Israel, they would refer to some of these passages where Moshe is calling them stiff-necked people, calling them rebels, talking about how they just repeated the rebellion against Hashem and basically they would be saying look at what a failure this people were they were stiff-necked, they were rebels they were this, they were that and there was a tendency among some non-Jewish people for sure to think that this holds up a negative picture of the people of Israel and that they are right in pointing to that negative picture and even have negative attitudes towards Jewish people in general. But it is absolutely wrong. I'm going to tell you why. In fact, I'll even go as far as to say that it, it's even a sin. And this is where I want to go with this. Because for B'nai Milach, it's like, let's get our thinking straight. For us to be able, for B'nai Noach to be able to accept the, the seven Noahide laws, this is Torah. The seven Noahide laws are Torah. And where were these laws preserved? Actually, they were preserved as the seven Noahide laws in the oral tradition of the Jewish people. They were preserved by the Jewish people. And they were totally forgotten by the nation. And so this is one thing. And we see this where Hashem refers to that the people of Israel are going to be um, rewarded. And that they are a treasure. And that they are a peculiar people. That He did not choose them because of their numbers, but because you know, in fact, they were a very small people. And you're familiar with that. 
And we know that the people of Israel did fall into idolatry. And this is another thing that the nations do point to. That the people of Israel fell into idolatry. They did all of these terrible things. And so they kind of sometimes get that idea that the Jews were losers. And God just put up with them. But that is so, so, so wrong. Like the Christians and Islam have done such a great job of fearing and honoring Hashem. Exactly. Exactly. See, the whole idea is that the people of Israel were chosen to fill a place that was very high. And so because the people of Israel were chosen to build this very high place to be the people who would bring the Torah to the world. Hashem had a stricter measure that he uh, for them. The people of the wilderness, now this is the generation that everybody likes to pick on, is the generation of the wilderness. Look at how they failed. Look at how they griped. Look at how they complained. Look at how they were always doing this, they were rebels, they were this, they were that. But let us not forget that this is the generation that merited to in person. And right, exactly, he's, and this time he's speaking to the children. But these are the people who merited to hear the Torah in their physical bodies. I mean, just think about that. That is so incredible. They were head and shoulders and, and everything above us. That generation were absolute giants, spiritual giants compared to us. And we have to remember this. When we read these negative things in the Torah, we have to remember who were these people. And even when we read, I have seen this people and behold it as the stiff-necked people. There's, a, there's another side to being the stiff-necked people. One thing is, you know, on the positive side is, this is people that's not going to just be gullible and just believe anything. These people are not going to be just a pushover. And they, the people of Israel, I should be saying we, but I, you know, I'm talking about the people of Israel from the time of the giving of the Torah, were people who were stubborn enough. They were hard enough to where they would not be easily swayed. And so he had to convince them with a mountain over their heads, no less. Convince them and they would then hold on to the Torah. It took a people like that. It took a stiff-necked people in order to do this. They wouldn't be wishy-washy. They would be and then you look at the way they fell into idolatry and sometimes we're tempted to say, oh well, look at that. They fell again. They failed. All this. But it's not accurate. And we, we have to adjust our thinking. We have to adjust our view, our vision of what we're seeing when we read these things in the Torah and understand that these people are not like people of today. These are people who are completely on a higher level. 
and yet they fell. And these were people of whom Hashem required so much. So Moshe talks about all the different ways that the people rebel, the people fail, the people did all of this. And what he's doing to, and you're right, Colleen, he's talking to the, gener- the next generation. He's talking to the children of the people who did all of these things. And he's reminding them of all of these things that, they, that their fathers did and telling them, don't repeat their mistakes. You're getting ready to go into the land of Israel. And you have to be faithful to the Torah. You have to be faithful not to commit idolatry. You have to do all of these things and keep the Torah. Now, in the 10th chapter, as he's talking about the... um, Aaron's death and he's talking about what happened with the tablets and so on and so forth says at that time Hashem set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant for Hashem to stand before Hashem to minister to him and bless his name until this day therefore the Levi did not have a share and a heritage with his brethren Hashem is his heritage as Hashem your God has spoken to him. Spoken of him. Now, this is an, a passage that can straighten out our thinking about who the people of Israel are. What does it mean when we say the people of Israel are chosen? Now, this is something that really is a stickler for a lot of people. Non-Jewish people really have a problem with this one. Because they think, well, if they're chosen and I'm not, then that makes me inferior. And I don't want to be inferior. So, I miss, and they go all, all different places with this. One place they go is, then I must be Israel too, because I have to be special too. And... That's not a good idea. That's not good for people to do that, non-Jewish people to do that. And the reason it's not good for the non-Jewish people to do that is because they're missing the point. They're missing the point of what Hashem chose the people of Israel for. And right here, as we read this about Levi, how he is set aside, we can we can use this as a comparison. Levi was set aside for special service to Hashem. And that meant that, as a consequence of that, that Levi was not given any land portion in the land of Israel. So among the tribes of Israel, Levi was chosen. Did that make Levi better than the other tribes? What do you think? Did that make Levi better than the other tribes? Did it make Levi better than Yehuda, that was the tribe of the king? I mean, think about it for a minute.
And this is one of those questions that has two answers. No is a simple answer. Just different, like you said. That's a simple answer. Didn't make him better than the other tribe. It just made him different. But the other answer is yes. It did make him better than the other tribes because it meant that he was closer to Hashem by sheer virtue of the nature of his job in the world. So, he is closer to Hashem because he has to always be dedicated to the service of Hashem. The other people are having to do their regular work in the land, on the land that is given to them. So, they have their their role, they have their work to do. But by having a tribe set aside that is special, dedicated, sanctified to Hashem, which means holy, the other tribes had a an example to look at and to aspire to. And within the tribe of Levi, there were the Kohanim. So the Kohanim had even a more special job than the rest of the Levites. They had special jobs in the tabernacle and then in the temple where they were supposed to be the priests. So their jobs were special and they were elevated as compared to the rest of the Levites. And then among the Kohanim, there was one that stood out and that was the Kohen Gadol. But each one of these choosings does not mean that the rest of the people are by any means nobody. It just means that their jobs are, just like you're saying, different. But, overall, among the Levites, they have the Kohanim to, to aspire to their level of dedication, of holiness, of sanctification. They could look to the Kohanim and see this. All the people could, but especially the Levites. That the Kohanim, that they were the people, the Le- arrested Levites were the people who were assisting, who were holding him up, who were making sure that the Kohanim were able to do their job. You see? They were the ones who were the, uh, like the background crew. They were the ones who carried the items. They were the ones who set up the tabernacle. They were the ones who, they were the ones who sang. Levites sang. They could be the keepers of the gate. All these different things. And, and those were special jobs. Those were jobs that were very, very necessary in order for the Kohenim to be able to do their job. And so, the Levites, the rest of the Levites, were extremely necessary. And what about the rest of the tribe as compared to Levi? My goodness, Levi was not allowed to have any land. The rest of the tribes had to support the Levites. They had to support the Kohanim. And without that, they, the Kohanim and the Levites couldn't do their job. So the rest of the tribes had that support, that support role. But at the same time, they were benefiting from Levi being able to do his job from Levi being set aside to have the time to be have, to have the financial backing to be able to do their job of dedication to Hashem, and then I mean in some some uh, religions 
in some countries of the world, some of those people who have to dedicate themselves to the service of, of, of their gods, of their gods, have to go around begging because they don't have a support group. They have to go around begging. The Levites were not expected to have to do that. The people were expected to give their tithes. They were expected to support the Levites in every way. This is part of the Torah. So the reason I'm bringing all of this is for us to see Israel as a priestly nation. Now you have all of the other nations and then you have Israel. And Israel is set aside for a special job. And if Israel can do, and if Israel does, her job properly, then the rest of the nations have this nation, just like the Levites. They have this nation to look to and aspire to and to bring them up to a higher level. And that's the whole point of Israel's being chosen. Israel's having the Torah. And just like the tribes, and it's very interesting when you think about the connection of Israel and the nation, because there were 70 souls that descended into Egypt, and there are 70 nations. So the, the roots of the 70 nations root into the 70 souls that were the 70 beginning souls of Israel. There's this connection. That Israel is, by virtue of those 70 souls, a representation of the 70 nations. So this is what, a lot of times, when people start thinking about Israel in all of their derogatory ways, they're missing the point. They're missing the point. And it doesn't just hurt Israel. It also hurts the nation. Like, for instance, what if the people of the tribe just decided, well, those Levites, they're just lazy. They don't want to get out here and farm. I'm having to break my back doing this farming. And there they sit, wanting to sing their songs and stuff. Of all the nerves. I mean, what if they had an attitude like that? You know, like, who do they think they are? You know, it wouldn't work. The whole system would break down. And it wouldn't just hurt the Levites. It would also hurt the other tribes who wouldn't have the Levites to benefit from. And this is what has happened in the world. Because of anti-Semitism. Because of people of the nations not understanding what Hashem did when He chose this nation. And He set this nation apart. And He gave this nation the Torah. They say, well, who do you think they are? They're not better than me. Chosen? What in the world does that mean? I'm just as chosen as them. They think God loves them more? And you've heard it. I'm sure all of you have heard maybe even that exact language but certainly something close you all heard it and it's not only ignorant of the truth it's a sin it's a sin because it is ingratitude toward Hashem of something that Hashem did not just for Israel something Hashem did for the world Hashem chose Israel as the vessel 
through which he would give the Torah, not just for Israel, but for the world. He gave the Torah for safekeeping to Israel. Israel had the seven laws of Noah for safekeeping, for the time when it would be right to bring this out into the world. Otherwise, they would have been lost. I mean, where would you go to find them? Most people, a lot of people have never even heard of the laws of Noah. They've been preserved by the sages of Israel for just a time like this, when the nations would be ready to accept them. So essentially what those sages were acting as was like the priests, like the Levites, saving this, preserving this for the right time when it could be accepted. So, when the nations refused to see Israel in its proper light, yes, it hurts Israel. Yes, Holocaust, that was terrible. Inquisitions, pogroms, expulsions, those things are horrible to Israel. But you know something? They hurt the nations that allow them and certainly the ones who perpetrate them. They hurt them. They hurt them very, very badly. They hurt them in this world in an obvious way. A lot of these nations that were world powers are nothing now. And they hurt them spiritually. Most obviously because they don't benefit from the blessing that Israel is meant to give to the world. And they reject the Torah, the Torah of Shem. And what is the purpose of the Torah for the nation? You see the seven Noahide laws, but you, you have to understand something else. Each one of the tribes of Israel had its own character. It had its own, even, it even had its own musach, its own style of prayer each one of the tribes each one of the tribes had its own gate to go into the temple did you know that there were 12 gates each one had its own gate and so each one could come and approach Hashem in its own way with its own voice with its own character individually as a tribe now in the same vain in the same context the 70 nations each one has something on a positive level each one has its own voice each one of the nations has its own wisdom just like the tribe its own area of specialty expertise to bring to the world but in order to bring that to the world in a pure way in order for that voice to come and sing harmoniously and not off-key and just a cacophony of, of noise out here, and that's what we have now. We have a cacophony of noise. It's called war. It's called bickering in every way that the nations do. Dissatisfaction. It's called exploitation you know how third world countries feel very very 
under the foot of first world countries and their rights because they were exploited. Where people in the first world, many people, and we'll look at people in the third world, certainly, even in the second world, the developing countries, and they don't see human beings. They don't. They say, well, they're not really like us. They don't see human beings. And when they cease to see human beings, it makes it easier for them to exploit them, exploit them for their natural resources in their country. Like, have you ever seen the movie Blood Diamonds? Oh my goodness. Exploiting these people like this, it's just, and it happens in our time so much. Whether it's diamonds, whether it's oil, whatever it is that the third world has and the first world wants it. And the first world has a tendency, the West, has a tendency to look down on these people. I mean, this is the reason that the rainforests have been ravaged to where the planet's in danger. This is the reason why we have had so many things that are atrocities that have really devastated the planet. Because the people in the first world have a tendency to look at other parts of the world as not really that important or that they really have a right to just go in there and take whatever they want because the people who are indigenous there don't matter. Well, that kind of attitude is contrary to the Torah. So can you imagine what will happen in the time that will come where all nations will have their wisdom seen through the light of the Torah where all nations will come to bring their voices into harmony through the Torah can you imagine the difference in the world and this is the only thing that will help the only thing that will really be a cure for the ills of our planet and this cure was given into safekeeping to the people of Israel. That's what makes Israel chosen. It's like Israel, like you can see the whole world like a body. Like, you know, we look at Israel, we look at the tribes, and they're different parts of the body when we look at it esoterically. We'll look at the world that way. And Israel, with the Torah, is the heart. Now, I, I really couldn't explain what other parts of the world are, but Israel is called the heart of the world. And it's really sad when you think about the heart of the world being sick, heart sick, and rejected, and broken. It's really, really sad. And if the world could come to understand Israel's place and Israel's purpose. I mean, even in, in Israel, there are people who don't want to see a temple rebuilt. They don't want to see the, the um, Kohanim to come into their full job to be able to do their service fully in the world. They don't want to see that. But it's necessary for Israel to be everything Israel's supposed to be. And this is something that the whole world will benefit from. When there is a temple in Jerusalem, when we're ready for that, 
all the world will benefit. All the world will come to peace, real, true peace. Because there's a temple standing in Jerusalem. Because the Shekhinah has been brought back from the exile. See, this is something that all the people of the world need to become conscious of. The shift in consciousness. To understand these things without our old throwback of our insecurities that says, oh, it's bigotry. Oh, it's prejudice. Forget that stuff. You know, exactly what you said here, Dina, about different. Every nation is different from each other. Every single nation. But that's a good thing. Because it, think about a symphony. That you have all these different instruments. And every single instrument has a different voice. And they could just be, you know, like honking and blowing and, and clashing. And you'd have just a horrible noise. Or they could all come into harmony with all their voices and have the most beautiful music. That is exactly like the nations of the world. It's exactly like the tribes of Israel. That we all have to come in harmony in order for us to be able to sing the new song of the Torah, which is the song of redemption. And that is the goal. That's the goal. So, just as Hashem elevated the Levites, so in a way, yeah, they were better than the other tribes of Israel. By sheer virtue of their being closer because of their job to Hashem. And that's what Israel is supposed to be. Because it is the keeper of the Torah that by sheer virtue of that job in the world that Israel is in a way elevated and in a way you could say Israel's better. So what? It gives us something to aspire to. All the nations should say, I'm glad because I want there to be some higher place to aspire to. Something that I can see in the world and say, that is what Hashem can do in the world. And not be jealous and not be bickering and not be saying, I want that place. No. Look at what your place is and say, I want to make the most of my place. And by Israel being in their place, I can make the best of my place. And then we can come into harmony in the world. Does this make sense to you? I mean, there is so much out there that is all of this, it's like fear, you know, of what, and this is what the Noahide Movement is about, by the way. This is really what the Noahide Movement is about. And there are a lot of people out there that are afraid of the Noahide movement because they don't understand it. And there are some Noahides who wrongly think that they're supposed to be under the foot of Israel. That they're like, you know, not as good. Uh, you can be in the back room, but uh, back of the room, but don't come too close. You know, you're just Gentiles. And that's not it. That's not it. This is not a movement about anybody being inferior. Anybody being less than someone else. It's not. 
And so the only way that we can really understand that, the only way we can really grasp that, is to look at the example of the Levites compared to the rest of the people of Israel. Does that make sense to you? And I'm sure all of you have heard this kind of talk. And this has bothered me so long that I wanted to have a time where we could really discuss this. Hashem has a house of all people. And yes, when the temple is built, it says that it's going to be a house of prayer for all people. And that is exactly what it's going to be. A house of prayer for all people. Every Sukkot, even now, there are prayers that the Kohenim pray at the Kotel, at the Western Wall, for all the 70 nations. When we have a temple, there will actually be sacrifices made on behalf of all the nations. Because this is known, it's acknowledged that we are representing for all of the world in a special way, each nation. And it's really an important thing for us to, to really get our minds around. That it's not saying, you know, this isn't saying that the people of the world are supposed to be, you know, slaves, they're not really human, or any of these things that you might have heard. These things are just garbage. We, we really need to understand it in its true light to see what exactly Israel's role is and what exactly the role of the nation is. And I would really encourage you because the role of Israel is pretty clear from the Torah. But what, is, what are the roles of the nation? What are the special wisdoms that, the, that each nation holds? And so I would really encourage all of you to pray about that. To pray about that and to pray for that. That that knowledge, that that understanding will start coming forth. That awareness will start coming forth in the world. So it can be nurtured. So it can grow. That people who are individuals in the nation and the nation as a whole can grasp what makes that nation special. What makes that nation individual? What is that nation's voice that it has to offer to the whole world? And how can the nation relate to the Torah? How can the nation attach itself to the Torah and learn from the people of Israel in, in the proper way so that the nation can become everything it is meant to be? That's a very important thing. And that's also part of the work of redemption. And I would say to you that this is a part of the work of redemption that is specifically your job. To surrender to that. To say, I want this. I want to be everything Hashem created me to be. And I want my nation to be everything Hashem created it to be in its proper context, in its proper light, 
through the prism, through the lens, the lens of the Torah. That we don't try to be someone else. We don't need to be someone else. Because who we are is good. Who we are is wonderful. This is something that we need to grasp. Something we need to have as our awareness. To bring into ourselves. I want to be what Hashem created me to be. I want to be everything Hashem created me to be. And I don't want to be somebody else. I don't want to be something else. I just want to be what He wants me to be. And that is the only way we can be successful. If you are trying to be someone else, you're not going to be successful at all. I mean, you might appear successful to the world, but you're not going to be really successful because your place is going without, it's going to be empty. And you're not going to do a good job of pretending to be someone else. I have heard things like what you've been talking about all my life. When I was a Christian, we talked about which group was truly worshipping correctly. Well, I can't go to that church because they believe this way. We don't think that way. I feel that it is because everyone has gotten so far from Torah that this happens. And that is absolutely right. And what's really sad is a lot of these people who are into that kind of thinking are literally afraid of the Torah. They're literally afraid for the Jews to teach them anything. They're afraid. And I know it's true because I've had that right here in Oklahoma where friends of mine said, there's this Jewish lady, she, you know, I would like to invite her to come and speak. Oh, no, no, no. We, we can teach ourselves just fine. We don't need to hear from any Jews here. But yet, they're calling themselves tribes of Israel. You know, it's like, come on, people. What do you think you're doing? And that is one of the areas where I was talking about where people start pretending to be something they're not. And why? Because they are dissatisfied with what they are. They have a misunderstanding about that because they think that what they are is inferior. And so they must be tribes of Israel because they've got to be better than some Gentile. And it's insulting. It's insulting to themselves rather than grabbing hold of what being a Noahide really is. What that really means. How being a Noahide, you can serve Hashem to the very, very best of your capability in this life, in this lifetime, in this world. And make the world a really better place by being yourself. By being who you are, so that your soul can fully express itself in the way that it came into the world to do. I mean, people really get messed up with all of this insecurity, all of this fear of what they think might happen. I don't know what they think might happen. I mean, and it's such a breach of faith in Hashem to lead the way, to make the way. It's such a contrary idea from faith in Hashem that His way is perfect. That we have to be in charge. We have to make sure that everything is going to go right. we got to make sure that we have our place, secure our place there. And 
somehow they think they're doing a, do a good thing by doing all this and it's sad and you see this different factions around the world who make these ridiculous claims that they're tribes of Israel or they are Israel and, the, and Israel is actually a usurper I mean it's ridiculous totally ridiculous and in the meantime like I said they're not doing the work they're meant to do they're not being who they're meant to be and so it's just this noise in the world that just degenerates into wars at its worst wars literally wars so that's something I'm a little bit passionate about because it's we know there's a solution Shem made a solution we know it's there but we all have to change our, our way of thinking we all have to change our desire by surrendering to what Hashem has planned so do, does anybody have something that you would like to comment on or add to this Blood Diamonds, John Perkins' book, Economic Hitman is a good read. Oh, okay. And there was another movie called um, The Constant Gardener, where the story is about a pharmaceutical company that is using um, African uh, country in Africa, people in country in Africa, for experimenting with their drugs and killing people I think that the people that are here have had a great desire for the things of God and been willing to lay down the things of life to follow the road to Torah and I agree with you I absolutely agree with you but one of the reasons that I was talking like this is because there is not just I don't want us to just say we believe these things I want us to say so how can I make a difference with this? I want to make a difference. So what I'm suggesting is that we, that all of you can pray for yourself to come to the fullness of what Hashem created you to be. But not only that, to pray for the nation, for your nation, to be its fullness, to come into its wisdom that can 
shine out into the world. That this is a way to pray for the nation. I mean, we always read, pray for the leader of your nation and pray for this, uh, all of that. But how? How do you pray for them? And one way you can pray for them is that they will come into an awareness of what Hashem created the nation to be. What is special about this nation? What is its role in the world? And that the nation will come to understand that the Torah is the lens through which to see its wisdom, its gifts, its nature. So this gives you a little bit more focused direction on what to pray for that, how to pray for that. And you can meditate on that. You can think about that. You can, as you pray, ask Hashem to open it up in you because you're part of the nation. And to pray that the nation see the nation of Israel for what it's supposed to be and pray for the nation of Israel that it will become what it's supposed to be. So right now it's not. But the people, there are a lot of Jewish people individually, however, who are being what Israel is supposed to be. We are learning Torah. We are teaching Torah. We are living Torah. And this is important in the world. Are you also a photographer? Because the language you use reflects that. Um, well, no, not really. <laughs> I have taken some pictures, but... I'm not like... I don't do that like a, an avid hobby or something. I bet a lot of people will blame the Jewish people for the blood diamonds that adds the stereotypes they already have about the Jewish people, even though it goes against all that is Jewish. Yes, and unfortunately, there are plenty of Jewish people in the world who are in business, and they're very good in business, and they also, because they're Jews of the West, they're like the other people in the West, and they're just as guilty of exploiting people in the third world. I understand that. I realize that. And it's sad. You know that whenever I was well, I don't know, probably a lot of you know this, that um, the French, when they were in Indochina, that the thing that they were in Vietnam, they had rubber plantations there. I mean, the different nations held territories in various countries where they were, they had economic reasons to be there. And, um, and they were exploiting the natural resources. 
and they were exploiting the people. They did not consider the native people as humans. They totally didn't. I mean, the British, when they went to Australia, wiped out almost a whole tribe of Aborigines. They did not see these people as humans. And here, I'm sitting in Oklahoma. And what did the United States do to the American Indians? I mean, it's horrible, horrible, the history. I mean, very close around where I, I live, there are these areas that there were terrible massacres of American Indians, Native Americans. And why? Because of greed and seeing these people as not human. And that is a terrible sin. And sometimes they would make the, the real, yeah, the trail of tears. That's just one case. And sometimes they would even use the what the Torah would say, or the Hashem was commanding to the people to do to the Canaanites. And they would take that and say, well, this applies to us, and we're going to do this to the Indians. Well, that's taking it out of context, because there was reason behind what Hashem was saying to the people of Israel, and it was very, very conditional. That's something that's lost sometimes. That the conditions were that first, before they even went in, that they had to say, you have an opportunity to either accept the Noahide laws, maybe you don't know this, to accept the Noahide laws and live as righteous Gentiles under our rule, or you can leave, or if we go to battle with you, we're going to wipe you out. And the reason that they said that to them, and they gave them, a, they gave them an avenue of escape. But the reason they said that to them was because Hashem had said their sin was to its fullness. This was a judgment from heaven on those nations, those particular nations. You can't take that over here and apply it to another nation. It doesn't work that way. That's wrong. But that is what a lot of the people in America did when it came to the Indians. They completely, they took the, the, the Torah commandments and they said, oh, well, we're Israel. This is the New Jerusalem. And we're going to take this and we're going to apply it to the Indians now and wipe them all out. And that was their excuse. You know, saying, well, the Africans are ham and they're meant to be slaves, and so we're going to go over there and we're going to enslave them. I mean, it's just totally twisting and exploiting the Torah. It's not seeing the Torah in truth. It's using the Torah for your own selfish needs, your selfish desires. And we've been guilty. Our history is full of it. Terrible, terrible. So there are a lot of things that the nations have to repent because these things stay, they stay with us as a blight on our, on our soul, as a nation, the national soul. So is there anything else that anybody would like to add here? Okay.
then I'm going to bid all of you good night. And like I said before the class began, next week, next Monday night, we're not going to have class. Okay? I wish there were more people here to hear this, but you can just kind of pass it along. But next week, I'm going to be down in Texas, and I, we will not have class. Tuesday, yes, but next Monday, we're not going to have class. So thank you for joining me, and I will see all of you next Tuesday night. Oh, how is Vendel? Oh, he's fine. Thank you. I will tell him you asked.